0: one maybe potential correction there is that Dell wasn't the big player at the time it was IBM in the in the early days but that's okay um (laughs) um, that's okay we we have we have a it's we have a, a past we're young we didn't we didn't grow up in the age of the initial computer
1: hey there welcome to another episode of the feed delivered zoomer podcast I'm your host Katya Borger
0: And I'm your co-host, Silas Maynard. We'd like to thank Discover Praxis for sponsoring and making this show possible. And we really hope you enjoy today's episode of the Deliberate Zoomer podcast.
1: Hey everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. We have a two-part biography on Steve Jobs. The second half will be released next week on Wednesday around the same time as usual. But last week in the episode, styles, you had mentioned quite a bit about Steve Jobs and that you were reading his biography, and I found it extremely inspiring, so I kind of wanted to dig more into that today. So without further ado, I will let you get it started.
0: Yeah. So obviously welcome, welcome again, everybody really glad to have this topic. I think um, my, one of my idols is Steve jobs, to be honest, I think that it's more of those situations where you find out about somebody afterwards, because I'm, I'm young enough that I didn't really, I I don't have any actual memories of like hearing about anything with Steve jobs or Apple or anything when I was young. I do remember um, at one point there was that movie that came out and I remember being like, oh, I wonder who, I wonder really who he was. I somehow knew he was tied to Apple, but but not really a whole lot. Um, so I'm really excited because th- he's one of the people I look up to a lot. And uh, as it so happens, I'm wearing the black turtleneck today. I, I know nobody can see because they're not doing video, but I think it's a suitable outfit uh, by chance. So there's a couple of things I wanted to go over. And I haven't, to be, to be honest, I haven't finished the book uh, yet. I haven't finished the entire biography at this point. But there's a lot of things that have kind of stood out to me about about Steve Jobs, and I think about that kind of resonate and align with what we are looking at doing and what we do here with the deliberate zoomer and what we talk about. And so we're just kind of going to go through some of those things and offer our thoughts and hear kind of what we're thinking about and see if there's any applicable ways that we can you know put those to our life. So I think first of all, the one thing that has stood out to me again, maybe maybe not it wasn't entirely this throughout his whole life, but one thing that really kind of created his long-term success in the end, especially once Apple, once he had kind of been ousted and came back to Apple and really doubled down on making things happen, was his ability to focus on what was important. So as you can imagine, you know, the company had a whole lot of revenue there. They weren't, you know, necessarily telling themselves, hey, we're just going to, know stick to computers or whatnot they weren't they weren't sticking to what was usual and you know what was kind of the norm right so as a result it opened up kind of the floodgates to the possibilities which i think we can all relate to when we're especially in our early career is there's so many things there's so many things that we could do because we know that we have the talent we have a lot of different interests that we haven't explored so it's kind of like reading about a place before going there. And we, we just tend to want to try everything. And um, I think that we could probably learn from this being able to focus on what's important and completely block out what's not important. So uh, I guess maybe to just pause there for a second. have, have you, do you have any thoughts on this, Katya? Have you kind of experienced any of these things? What, what are some things you might offer?
1: So I actually, I remember when my sister got her very first iPhone and oh man, that was, I, I can't remember what year that was, but it definitely was probably one of the first iPhones and like to kind of make a full circle and be talking about that now again today, I find that really cool. And actually personally, I did not realize that Jobs was ousted from Apple until oh man, it, it's got to have been like a few years ago. Like that came as a shock to me when somebody said, and then he returned to Apple and I was like, wait, what? Like, um, so that kind of came as a shock, but I do find, I find Jobs very inspirational in the fact that he, he dared to challenge the norm and really, you know, get away from the normalcy of what everyone else was doing and Form his own path. You know, Apple became so great because, you know, Jobs dared to have a bigger dream than just the regular computers, like whatever Dell was doing at that time. And so I find that very inspirational in my everyday life as somebody who isn't exactly doing what everyone else is doing to see that, wow, he really made it this far without, I guess. Sticking to the normal and doing what everyone else was doing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of interesting things about his life. I think um one may maybe potential correction there is that Dell wasn't the big player at the time. It was IBM in the in the early days, but that's okay. Um, Corrected. <laughs> um, that's okay. We, we have we have a it's we have a, a past. We're young. We didn't we didn't grow up in the age of the initial computers, but. But no, I think that uh, generally speaking, you know, maybe some more applicable advice for people specifically at early stage in their career is, when you are picking a job or deciding on projects to work on to kind of advance your career, I think try to get a mentor or somebody to, or, or you can do it yourself as well. But it tends to be good to have an outside outside partner to kind of look through through their eyes as well, to really focus on what is important. I can't tell you how many people I've seen early on wanting to start businesses that are thinking, "Oh, you know, I need to do, I need to do this. I need to, do, I need to get a logo. I need to uh, go build a website. I need to, you know, so many things that really, at the end of the day, don't actually bring you revenue. But people think, "Oh, yeah, this is what I need to do to get going." But in reality, what you need to do to get going is have have a reputation and create and you know create your service provide your service or create your products. And that's an example, right? Of getting out there and talking to people that might be your customers, right? Now there's obviously many, many examples of that. That could be, you know, your own your own life of, hey, I, I want to get in shape. Um, you know, you could spend a lot of time researching and watching videos and creating workout plans and, and, you know, getting, you know, nice outfits for running and perfect shoes, et cetera. But by the time that's all done, are you actually doing anything about it? You might have spent a week kind of getting everything just right in order to go and, and make that make that change. But in reality, the first thing you need to do is put your shoes on and you need to get out the door and you need to go do something, right? So I think that being able to stop hearing the noise and just focus on what is most important was one of the things that made Steve Jobs super successful, especially as they continued to innovate after um, after the success of the Mac and going into when they created the iPod, iPod etc., so that's one thing that I found really, really interesting that has become, it's always been a struggle for me, but because I like to just do too many things, but I think it's become more and more important, the more capable I feel and the more things I try to take on. So I think that that's one of my biggest takeaways. Um, I think a, a second thing, maybe just a comment on for people who are not aware, Steve Jobs was honestly kind of crazy. Um, he, he was able to kind of, Figure things out later on in his career, but a large reason why he was kind of ousted from Apple in the first place was because he just absolutely, you know, would just lose it, and he was very, very crazy in his actions. He would, you know, take take steps to um, try to get back at people or to try to control things, but also had very odd things about not wanting to be in charge, and it was just a very, very odd kind of situation, and. He, he kind of had this, this personality that would go to extremes, right? He, he could be super reflective or super like in your face telling you that this is shit or, you know, this is great, right? This one thing we can get to later is talking about great, great products. But my point in notice noting this is that if somebody who has kind of maybe natural um, deficiencies, the way that jobs did, if, if somebody like him can still create something so successful, I think that it's, it's a lesson to all of us that anybody who's kind of reasonable and really puts effort into becoming better at something or kind of perfecting and, and honing their traits, their habits, their personality, you could also do absolutely incredible things with precision and patience. This show is made possible and sponsored by Discover Praxis. Are you looking to break the mold and take control of your future? Discover Praxis offers a career-launching program tailored to your goals. Through Praxis, you are able to skip college and fast-track your way to an awesome career and financial freedom. 93% of Praxis participants graduate with a full-time job paying $50,000 or more. To learn more about Praxis, visit discoverpraxis.com forward slash modern wisdom. That's discoverpraxis.com forward slash modern wisdom.
1: Did Jobs did his craziness stem from genius, or did it just stem from his personality? He was just a little bit nuts.
0: So, I mean, I think there was a couple things. I think obviously, um, it's noted well in the book that everybody started to view him at a young age as being extremely intelligent um, to a point where he, he would basically get his way with anything he wanted. With his parents, he just had a way of bending people to his will. Um, there was this thing that is mentioned a lot in the book called his reality distortion field and this is something that you know he never truly got rid of essentially and i think it's actually honestly a superpower is that he he would basically will things to happen and see it on his way right he he'd envision the outcome and just basically will it into existence whether that was early in his you know childhood of trying to get something he wanted from his parents um i know that there was a i don't remember the exact details but he he was able to go to a different university than his parents wanted and then, then they could afford by saying something like oh you know if, if you don't let me go to this place i'm going to drop out and i'm not going to go to school at all which is they had made a promise when they adopted him that they would send him to university so, so they he went
1: to playing off of that he, he went to Reed university is that right
0: I believe. Yes, that's correct. And
1: and was that, now that's the university he dropped out of. Was that the university that was too expensive for his parents to afford?
0: Correct. So that was, it was, that was the university. And the reason he wanted to go there, I believe, was because it was a very, a very artistic uh, type of community. If I'm not mistaken, I I might be getting some of those details kind of mixed up. But generally speaking, he was very drawn to it because of kind of its prominence in the counterculture movement at the time. And um, that's where he developed a lot of his kind of like practices around, you know, very odd diets, um, meditation, kind of uh, just different states of you know, spirituality, et cetera, that he developed there and met a lot of interesting people. But I think it's also to some extent where his personalities was able to just kind of take off and go into kind of the stratosphere of being very extreme at times, because there wasn't really a whole lot that he had to be accountable for. Um, and he he talked a lot about in that, the the book mentioned that it was very important to jobs. It was like a very important thing to him about um, how he his experience with, with dropping acid had been and how that like changed his view of the world. And that he had a very difficult time, like basically people who hadn't done it, he said, he had a hard time kind of helping them to truly see See things differently. So there's a lot of different things about that experience um, that I think were interesting. But of course, he did eventually drop out because he felt it was again a little bit too kind of you know standardized. The big thing that he did well, once he dropped out was he just started auditing classes, right? So he would just attend um, he would just attend the classes that he liked and just listen um, and and not you know do all the courses he thought were boring. So again, and and
1: maybe- then I I did hear in that time too, which actually I. Th- Found very inspirational. During that time, he would just sleep on the floor of his friends' dorms rooms. Dorm rooms, and he returned coke bottles for food and um, for food money. And then he got weekly free meals and everything. And I think that that was, I mean, when I read about that, I found that extremely motivational because he was like willing to go to like all lengths in order to really achieve his goals and you know, continue attending his classes, even though he's just auditing those classes, right? Um, but I, I found that very, very interesting mm-hmm. that um, he was really, he was able to-
0: To jump in, I think a lo- it was a little bit different though, because his motivation, he was never motivated by money and he never, it, I don't think he ever had a really, a strong plan, right? He was seeking to understand himself. Ever since he found out he was adopted, he was always trying to seek and understand himself. And that was just a way for him to to get by right he never really cared too much about money which is what's super interesting given there's a number of things later on in his life um, that he would go on to be very you know particular about with the options that he would receive an apple or cause cause a few lawsuits but basically he, he came from a relatively you know average and kind of not necessarily poor but an average family and at least that's who he was raised by and he never really had an attachment to money because during that time when he started down the spirituality path, he really wanted to attach himself from things. So I think that the point I wanted to make there is that during that time with his with his schooling or with his university, he even noticed that there was a waste, right? There was things that didn't matter and he wanted to cut those out, right? That goes back to our first point of focusing on what's important and what he found interesting. I know there was one thing worth noting that he took a calligraphy class and that really, really, influenced him a lot of in a lot of things in the technology side later on but um one other thing that i found quite powerful and again this is this was done to an extreme at the beginning that was probably counterproductive but after he had been ousted from apple kind of went on to do next and then didn't do so well with that um he was kind of on this idea that he he was right kind of thing right he was always focused on His what he had planned, he he believed in it and he just was really like sticking to his guns kind of a kind of thing. But eventually, when he kind of matured a little bit from that experience and realizing that he's not always 100% right, I don't know if this was consciously or subconsciously, but what eventually happened when he came back to Apple is they started having every Monday the board and him would have a three hour meeting to basically hash out the future, right? They always talked about the future of the company. And because he could be so he he was still, you know, very, very adamant about things. And what he would do is often take the counter argument than than what was popular, just to make sure that everybody would really debate it and get more angles on it. Now, this idea of disagreement, obviously, disagreement is in a lot of people's terminology very close to argument and fighting, right? And a lot of people avoid that. A lot of people do not like um, any kind of conflict so i think i think what's interesting is that because of because of that disagreement and that debate the vigorous debate about things and literally i mean this this is not just debating right these people were like very adamantly sometimes like kind of near near fighting about their opinions on things right but as a result they would go back and forth and get to the bottom of things of what was truly best, right? There's many examples where he'd have an engineer that might present to him something and he would just say, that's shit. That's how he would initially look at it, right? He wouldn't say like, oh, I like this, but I don't like that. He would just tell them it's terrible. What eventually they started to realize is that when he's saying that, he's actually saying, prove to me why this is not shit. And it would give them an opportunity To debate with him and to prove kind of how they had reached their conclusions and how they had designed things. And then uh, sometimes he'd walk away being changed, or oftentimes he'd come back a couple of days later with a changed heart. But as a result, it also pushed the engineers to really ask themselves, is this the best? Right. So I think that this idea of just kind of debate and disagreement is really important. It's something that I think a lot of young people don't realize, right? They don't ever want to at least from my experience, they don't want to like ruffle any feathers. They're always really like careful to say the right things. But when people just kind of say the right things and, you know, look away and they don't follow what's what they really think and believe, problems can start to crop
1: up. That's actually a very interesting philosophy on debating every side. And as a young professional, like I fully admit, I, I want to keep... I guess I'm under the impression that I want to keep as many people in my corner as I can to the point where I, I'm not really one to start up debates. I mean, unless it's something that I'm very passionate about or something like that it needs to be debated, right? I'm not just going to, um, you know, take the other side just so all sides have the, um, are debated a little bit. And Now, I think that's a very interesting philosophy that I've never actually heard before. So I'd like to get a little bit more of your opinion as somebody who is farther in their career about why you think that's so important.
0: I mean, I think it's very important because let's think about, there's a lot of effects. I think that the one that that comes to mind most for me is if a company is operating in a way where the CEO is kind of surrounded, let's just say it's a, a company where the CEO is in charge, right? And the CEO is surrounded by a bunch of yay-sayers, right? All of them are yes-men, and they're just kind of going along with whatever said because they just are enamored by the vision and they don't have their own opinion. What happens when that person's wrong, right? What happens when a misstep is is made? It's everybody else's fault as well because they didn't stand up. Ultimately, it's going to fall on the CEO because that person made the decision. But one person's perspective is just that. It's one person's perspective. And when you have an entire group of people who are kind of pushed to the edges, to the fringes of, hey, you are required, you're required to have your opinion and to think critically about these things. And when you challenge people that way, it actually opens up a lot of things, right? I think that one thing I've noticed in, like, my brief experience of managing people is that a lot of times people come in, they don't necessarily have the confidence to have an opinion, And they also don't want to rock the boat, right? They don't want to, they don't want to come into a new job and tell you how to do things, which is good. That's they don't want to have arrogance, et cetera. However, as they go on in their career and they start to learn things and they start to have their perspective, it it needs to be healthy. There needs to be a healthy kind of fostering of allowing them and actually pushing them to push back and to push you, right? And Obviously, I think the, 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 the dilemma is here that Steve Jobs did not do that very well. He just did it in a way that kind of forced people to either make a break because they would either break and just leave, you know, completely destroyed or they would eventually realize, hey, I'm going to stand out to him because I believe in my I believe in myself and I believe in my designs. And so I guess my my to kind of reiterate why I think it's important, I think it's important because, first of all, it helps you to have an opinion, right? And every successful or kind of influential person who's ever made, like truly changed things and done great things has had an opinion, right? Professionals in business have opinions about things and you can't be afraid to talk about it. The important thing is you also have to be willing to hear the counter to it, but you should vigorously debate things and truly find what is is the actual merit of these things? What is the best way to do things? That's how I've always approached it. And hence I've gotten to a lot of disagreements or arguments or debates with people. And I don't necessarily disagree with some people most of the time. There's a lot of times where I actually agree with somebody, but just because I've kind of in my nature, I will debate them on it. And what's happened a lot, and that's why I say I've recognized this a lot, people is people of my age or around my age, they seem to think I'm upset. And like, they, they feel like we're fighting. And I'm like, no, 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 this is not a fight. This is just a debate to figure to figure out who who's who's right here and i'm willing to concede if i'm wrong kind of thing so i don't know i think that's there's a lot of other issues that stem from that but i think debate and being able to disagree in a healthy way is extremely important um i think there's a lot of other issues that stem from not being able to do so but that would be more of a political topic
1: Thank you so much for that, Styles. I find that actually to be a really great explanation. But I do think that this is a great place to leave off for today. We will see you with part two next Wednesday. So don't forget to tune in. And I hope everyone has a great rest of their day. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed.
0: Please do like, subscribe, tap the bell for notifications. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we really appreciate that review
1: and that rating. And... We'll see you next time on the Deliberate Zoomer podcast.